Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is the 4th of December. We are already on Relationship Wednesday. Time is just passing by, and we have a huge rainstorm in L.A. I could hear it all night, and I woke up today, and I was like, wow, it's just pouring out there, and it's going to go on for the rest of today. So let's see what that brings, but it does feel good to have rain especially when you don't have it all the time. And today's topic, today's topic is I just had to do it. It's not even about, well, it's about relationships, but it's about starting them. What it's like today in today's world with dating apps, you know, quick ones like Tinder and other ones that you, you know, start emailing back and forth and get to know each other. Dating apps open the door for a lot of unknowns because people can put what they want, how they want to, just like Facebook where, you know, you meet someone and the only thing about them that's the same is they look like the people in the pictures, but the persona they presented and the person you meet are two different people. So the expectations of dating and dating are like two completely different mindsets, aren't they? We think of dating as the fantasy that we've been shown, the pictures of two people going out, glamorous, dressed up, happy, everything is going perfectly. Then when you meet someone, you're just meeting a person who doesn't come ready-made like they did in the film or all the things you can learn about them online before you meet them. And the craziest things start to happen. And yet, once you're in it, because we do meet so few people, it's a vulnerable place to be. And you could look each other up and kind of see their vibe, if you lack of a better term. And because of just the need, the desire, wanting to be with someone, wanting to spend time with somebody, we may give people a chance that we know, you know, there might be a red flag here and there, but yet we go forward. And then let's say you do go forward and you know there was a red flag and you kind of accept it, but then the other person just stops communicating. They just totally, and I just learned this term, so I think I'm really cool, but they ghost you. They no longer respond. They no longer even want to be a friend. It's like when they're interested, they're hot, and when they're not, they're not. And then there's the physical quick intimacy because they're cute or not, whatever you decide. And you either accept or don't based on that. And that kind of became the whole Tinder thing. But just so you know, the only time a relationship will go forward 
when you first meet somebody is not the physical intimacy. That's just the quick reaction. But it's the emotional intimacy that will keep two people together. And I'm going to say that one more time. It is the emotional intimacy. When there is emotional intimacy, there will be no ghosting. There will be greater communication. And you will go from great to go. That's why people who've never met each other through a dating site, and it usually involves, unfortunately, catfishing. But catfishing teaches us something. When somebody meets someone who is lonely or who is looking, and they promise things like a sense of stability and say that they love them or that they will want to marry them or something along those lines, they tend to get very lonely people who become very loyal because somebody is speaking to them in that language of emotional intimacy, which hooks them in in a way that they can't get out. No one can tell them different. And normally they will want money and they get you to say, and how they can't see you. And in today's day and age, if someone can't see you with all the different ways of communication, with all the different ways of FaceTime, Skype, and whatever way you could see each other when you speak, you got to know something's wrong. And the reason I say these things up front is so that when it does happen, or if it does happen, you will have awareness. The reason dating is so weird is just, because we are so fragile when it comes to personal love. I have worked with people that we look at and say, oh my God, they are perfect. Anyone who gets them, gets them, operative word, would be happy. Without thinking even about emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, Intimacy, they're just enthralled with who the person is. They don't really care about the other stuff. They figure when they get them, their fantasy in their head will fill in those blanks. Because it's their story, right? But those people are just as fragile as anybody else when it comes to dating. And that fragility I have seen bring grown men and some women to their knees. And we look at men as someone who's never been rejected, that they're the ones who get to ask and all of that. But that's the older generation. It's still kind of off in the younger generation. It still feels a little aggressive. Like, well, she asked me, and they'll tell you the story. But dating is where our insecurities pop up. It's where, because of all the apps and that, we keep looking for perfect. We may pass across someone who might have 
a little bump on their nose or we might pass across somebody whose eyes, you know, might not be all the way open or we might pass, I mean, little things like that, that if you met that person, you would probably be able to establish emotional intimacy, but you don't even try because we're all looking for perfect partners, perfect love. So I realize that there's a lot of people in this time and age, just like anything else we do, because the internet is so varied, offers us so many options that we could actually pass not only days now, but years looking. It's all right in our home through a screen. And we have found that there's a lot of people who are addicted to dating apps. The thrill of the hunt is what's exciting to them. So dating has become weird, and it also has become, in in a weirder way, something that you don't even know who you're dealing with. You may think you do. You may wish you did. But there's something that's going on that leaves more questions than answers, and you don't know who you're going out with. And that is the part that honestly just feels scary to me, just flat-out scary. Because there's people who may have a record, may have changed their name, you don't know their friends. So some of the warning signs, that we should be looking at because of just the fact of understanding, you know, looking at their page. Do they have pictures of other relationships they've had? Do they look happy? Do they look like they're presenting almost like a website of themselves? Or are they these real people with their real things? Or do they not post hardly anything, but they're there because they're looking at everybody else? So you have to take a look at, you know, how long have they been on a dating app? Because if they've been on a dating app for a long time, because that was another little factoid that I found researching this topic, was there are people who are perpetual daters. If they've been on a dating app for a really long time, they didn't use it to meet one person and go on. They're there. They are there, which means that they're not going to be with you for long. So dating has become really hard. And there is that, I want to say, the ugly truth about online dating, because many people have met people that they realized weren't what they thought, because people do lie on their dating um, profiles. And they may, they may just want sex, and they may tell you whatever they want to get it. They may be catfishing. If their relationships aren't lasting, and then they just say, well, you know, in their mind, I'll just go back on the dating app. They don't take their profile down. Online dating made people picky and very judgmental. So there's there's those kinds of things that you are competing with in a virtual world when they meet you. That whole 
you know, um, I want to say hope of perfection goes away when you meet the person. I, gosh, now it probably was 10 years ago, maybe more. I had a friend who said, oh, you need to meet Dr. And I can't even remember his last name. Not that I would say it on there, but you need to meet this man. He's a great man. He's a widower. He's this, he's that. Um, And I usually like widower, that word turns me off because I don't know if I'm going to be living in somebody else's ghost or what's going on. And ghost meaning that the person can't get them out of their mind and, and all of that. So I go and I meet this man and he's asking me about my work. I tell him, he tells me about his work. And while I was sitting there, I realized this man loves first dates. And and he went as far as saying that in the end, that he loves meeting different people, but he hasn't found the one. And that's what he's looking for. And as the conversation went on, he was a widower, but in truth, he was going to divorce his wife, but she got sick. So he stayed with her. He still had baggage about being angry at her for how she dealt with her illness, even though he was going to leave her. So I said, well, why did you choose then to lead by everybody talking about the poor guy? He's a widower when you don't feel like that at all. You're kind of pretty happy right now about the fact that you are free And that you didn't have to say the word divorce because it has like a negative connotation. And it was all about him all the way down to, well, anyone who doesn't have a big baby grand piano in their living room as though everyone was supposed to. So what I didn't realize was how toxic it felt to sit there until I left, wanted to know where I lived. And what quadrant of the street, of the corner of the main street by my house, I lived in to judge me on how financially successful I was. Wanted to know what kind of car I drove and proceeded to tell me that he just bought a brand new, some luxury car. So he was establishing his importance to me in such a way that when I left, I I wish I could have taken an acid shower to get his energy off of me. Because everything he did in one day, could you imagine living with someone like that, was to let me know that he was way, way far ahead of me, way, way better than anything I could ever be. And look what he's done. So when your goal in life is to make other people feel less than, you are setting them up to have them feel guilty that, in a weird way, they don't deserve you, but they got you, and then they just set the stage to control you. So I remember it, and I remember calling my friend, there were two of them that put it together, and saying, Did you ever really sit with this guy? Like, how well do you know him? 
oh, well, the husband of the other one works with him at the hospital. And I was like, oh, okay. But did you, to one of my friends, have you ever sat with him one-on-one and had a conversation with him? Well, no, I just heard that he was whatever. And I said, oh. And I didn't want to sully up his reputation. But I just said, you know, this this isn't going to be able to work out. There's no two-way, no relay in the relationship. And I did not need another person in my life to take advantage of the ways in which I give in a relationship because there's people who are givers and people who are takers. But when you have two givers, it's really nice because you both think of each other. And it took a long time in my life. I saw it once before and I'm seeing it again in life is where there is a relay in the relationship. And when it's not there, you usually don't know it because you keep thinking it's going to show up if you do your part. But dating and getting to know people is when you make those assessments, and that's where the dating gets weird. Because how do you make those assessments fast enough? How do you do that? We commit a lot in the beginning when we like someone because we're in this heightened state. And then we, if you're a loyal person, want to live up to what you've said, even though they may not. And then you try to bring it up and you get these weird reactions. So let's talk about the first time you meet this person. This is when you are not invested yet in seeing them, you're not used to texting them yet, you're not tied in. Please, in the beginning, look at it that way. I am not tied in yet. I have nothing to lose by getting to know this person. This is my time because this is when they're going to answer any question I have to ask questions. Listen to their stories. Listen to how they dealt with other people. Listen to how they talk about people they have dated. Instead of saying, this person was awful, and they tell you all the weird stuff about that person, that is going to be you. How long are their relationships? Oh, I knew that person a month and that one for two months and that one lasted for three months like it was a big deal. Run. Get out of the situation before you get in it. That one I have to say again. Get out of the situation before you get in it. Because once you get in it, you're going to try and fight for your relationship because that's what we've been taught to do. My bigger question is, what relationship are you fighting for? What in there do you want, do you need? What's going on? See if they're trying to mislead you. 
they may say on their profile that they're doing a certain kind of work. And then when you meet them, they say, oh, no, no, I, I don't do that anymore. This is what I'm doing. Ask them how long they've been doing it because it's still on their profile. Really think about this. If every story is about them being right and the other person being wrong and a big roll of the eyes. Because what happens to a giver when they meet someone like that is that they think they're going to prove to you that they're not like that person. And they're going to put up and shut up for a while until they can't put up anymore. And they're either going to leave or they're going to be controlled. When you are looking and you are talking and they're valuing their time, I have an hour and a half, value your own. Don't stay for three hours the first time. The only people who actually tried to keep us there longer was that a lot of times serial daters love to have that validation that somebody wants them and that it's their decision to see if they want them back by, by seeing how long the person will stay and how much time they will give them and if they'll like forego other plans they had that day to be with you. Because then they'll say, wow, you know, eventually I can get them to knock out everything in their life and they will technically only work for me. Listen to their stories. Listen to their stories. Do they belittle others? Do they make you feel weird? Like you get that little tinge, like, hmm, but that's okay. He's really cute. I can make this happen. I can do this. I have what it takes to be perfect for him or her. Really think about it. Are they pulling your strings? Are they creating a scenario? Are they always right? Do they have an alter ego where they take credit for things they haven't done? And they say they're perfect, that they never get mad. Because none of that can be true, can it? Are they overconfident? Oh, well, I did this. That was my idea at work, but somebody else stole that idea from me. Everybody else is wrong. Everybody else is never good enough. When they talk about other people failing, they talk about it in a boastful way. Like, look at how stupid other people are and look at how smart I am. Because what they're doing is they're setting the stage for you to see them as perfectly powerful, strong people. But by now, the proof is in the pudding. What have they done in their lives? 
How long was their average relationship? Were they in any of their conversations having any kind of remorse that they're even talking badly about someone that they dated? Because you are someone they are going to date. And I can't say these things enough. I'm saying them in 10 different ways because these people will not even be your real friend inside of a relationship. People who are mean to animals. I know that sounds like a crazy one, but if they have a lot of conversation about how they hate animals and how they kick the cat or if, if just that is a sign that they're going to kick a human. Because an animal is defenseless, at least pets, because they don't know what's coming when you do stuff like that. If when you guys go out and you go somewhere where there's a waitress involved or a server involved of any kind, and they treat them like they are that server of them, and they complain about how bad their service was, or they take the complaint to management, and all this happens in front of you, and it's one of the first few times you're going out, that also will be you, unless it's something that's so blatant that you never got your food or something like that. How they deal with discomfort, with people that they think are beneath them, That's a huge sign because in their brain, everybody's beneath them. And where they can show their power and things that don't matter that would be non-events for most people, they just go out to eat and they leave and they go on to the next thing they're doing. Everything's a major event in reestablishing how right they are and how wrong everybody is. Oh, I don't really like this. Or you find inconsistencies, things that they said they loved doing. There was a woman who, who met a man on a dating site who said he was vegan, not even vegetarian, but vegan. And when they dated, they went out to a steakhouse and he ordered a steak. Now, under normal circumstances, that would be normal. But she said, but you said, oh, yeah, well, I just do this once in a while. Same man. I don't drink. But they had to stop at a drugstore to buy a bottle of liquor. I don't normally do that, but I'm celebrating with you. Well, she didn't drink, which was why she wanted to go out with him. He was like her in eating habits. He was like her in drinking habits. I'm mine. But when she met him, that wasn't true. She went out with him again. He had come in from out of town to be with her. And she was a mother. She had young children in her home. And when it came time for him to go back, they did not have 
twice going back because of weather. And she was stuck with him and she was scared. I would have probably at that time told her to get him out of the house and put him in a friend's house and then let him leave someone he's not attached to. But nobody knew. And as she told me the story, I cringed because I thought, oh, my gosh, what if he was also violent? What if he was someone who violated children? You let him in your house. But whatever he sold her online was bought hook, line, and sinker. So our dating world has taken a turn. The best way, and this is something I looked up, to meet anybody is through a friend, through people who know other people. And you can see their reputation by the people that know them as opposed to being told who they are why they are so great, why they are so perfect, and what they need from you to make their life perfect. It has to be a two-way street. We are not pleasing machines. We are people that if we have a relationship, the relationship needs to go both ways. If someone ghosts you, thank God that God is protecting you from anything more from this person. I know we get hostages to our phones and to all the media and trying to see if they responded. But if they did not respond, instead of thinking of being rejected and constantly checking, just know that that work was done for you. And now you have an answer. You don't think about how you're going to go back to them and bring them back in. That was your answer. I hope that today just gave some insight. I will see you guys tomorrow on Dream Team Thursday. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.